All right. Hi, everyone. Today I have Chris Grasso with me. Here's his book, Indie Spiritualist. And I asked Chris to come to the podcast a long, long time ago and then floated away into Pleasant's creative La La Land until I came back because we're doing this little series called Boy Crazy because every other um, <laughs> guest has been a woman and we run a, a woman school for wellness and spirituality and health and Ayurveda. And I have met and ob obsessed with a handful of really awesome, interesting, integrated men that I want to share with the world because um, yes, there are a lot of things going on in our country uh, that are very important and we need to talk about very honestly and authentically. And we also need to bring voices of men who are doing the work in different ways. I really appreciate that. I don't know if I can jump in here, but um, yes. I love that you're doing it. I smirked because it was not at you. I um. You know, I, I host my own podcast over on, on Ram Dass' network and I go through phases where it'll be just like women I, I interview for, and not intentionally, it just lines up like I have 10 women I interview in a row and I'm like, oh my God, I don't want to make this just strictly about women. And then again, inadvertently, it's like 10 men and it's like, oh, so I just go in and try to mix them up in the queue or ask them like, look, I, you know, I don't want to run. 10 female, 10 male, like let's, let's mix it up. But um, anyways, that's why I smirked. It had nothing to do with it. Yeah, no, I love it. I think and, that's and great. I Thank think it, sorry, go ahead. I was just going to say lastly, I appreciate that you, you see me in that light because um, I couldn't agree more and I couldn't, uh, I, I, what's the word I'm looking for? I, I, I like to think of myself um, on a good day as a champion for women's rights and um I, you know, it's so important to me and it's something I'm always very vocal about and, and I don't stand for any kind of sexism. Um, you know, it's just, I work with youth a lot, uh, mm -hmm. do numerous workshops and, um, and over the years uh, have had to become very cognizant of the way I address particular um, residents there and, um, and completely respect that I've had friends of all sexual genres since I was like 13. So I've never had any issue with that. And, and that's something going back, like as far as high school, I used to literally get in fistfights over my friends that were of a different color or a different religion or a different sexual background. That's deeply ingrained in me. So not to stray, but I, I, no, it's, it's the whole point. A lot. Well, thank you for <laughs> yeah. recognizing that in me. So thank you. Yeah. Thanks. And I found you online on Instagram probably a few years ago and started seeing Indie Spiritualist as a brand in the... Not I mean, by my choice. <laughs> I bet. I can imagine. But that is the title of your first book. It is. <laughs> Go no look at my mention. Instagram now and, and let's see how much branded it, it is, really. Right. <laughs> but then is your website that also... So that, yes, it really yeah. just very quickly. Yeah, yeah. The website started in 2010 and okay. it was when I was first getting interested, not first, but like more seriously interested in spirituality. I'd been interested in it as far back as like 2004, mm -hmm. but really like getting interested um, around 2008 and then come 2010, I'm meeting a lot of people like myself, which surprised me like people that liked punk and hardcore and metal and hip hop and all things like eclectic and weird and artsy. And, um, and so I'm like, Oh, there must be magazines or websites that like curate all of this material. And I couldn't find any. So in the spirit of DIY punk ethics, you know, I'm like, I'm going to do it myself and started that as a kind of a breeding ground where I could interview spiritual teachers and musicians and actors and all sorts of people, skateboarders that I looked up to and, and host in one place. So it, it was not with the intention of, I wasn't writing anything myself. It was just interviews with people. I just wanted to create a home base where people like me could go and, and check it out. And um, the original title of this book as it was shopped was called watch it burn, um, which was a, an ode to a, punk band cast iron hike or more hardcore i guess uh that was the name of one of their records so you know we shopped it as that and the publishers uh were interested but you know not with that title because 
who's going to want to buy a book called Watch It Burn on Spirituality? So (laughs) actually, that sounds freaking awesome. (laughs) Thank you. That's why I wanted to name it that. But um, that's why the book was Indie Spiritual. So like you have the website of the name, it's kind of branded and and like, oh, you know, chills when I hear it. But I get it. Um, So there's just a quick backstory as to the name of it. So well, and how it like fits together. Listen, in order to get the message out there sometimes and not out of there's no lack of integrity or humility or kindness, but sometimes people have to say, well, what is that? And how can I wrap my head around it? And I don't usually see people writing about loving kindness who look like this person. Sure. Yeah. And that's what I'm super attracted to is finding a variety of voices and colors and sizes and shapes and tattoos and non-tattoos and all of the things to yeah. say this is human these are human practices right so well said they've yeah. been branded for white elite wealthy privilege um in all of the, we, i could keep going with that list <laughs> but one of the things i love to do is is because i look like that and often act like that that i'm like wait there's a, this is really for everyone even though i don't look like everyone so how do we do that and how do we kind of spread those messages <laughs> Right there with you. And that, like, <laughs> the funny thing is, Indie Spiritualist, that was just the play on words. It, it, it meant nothing. Yeah. Like, I was driving to work one day. I used to work with kids. I still do, but in, in a different capacity at this time. And I'm thinking about what am I going to name this website? And it just, it hit me while I was driving. Like, I love independent culture. And it's also going to be focusing on spirituality, hence Indie Spiritualist. What when it really hit me was like when the book's coming out, it's like, it, cause indie spirituals didn't mean anything to me. It literally was just a play on words. And then I saw um, a female in um, Canada got it tattooed on her. And I'm like, wow, this is becoming a thing. And then, you know, my publisher's like, so you've got to explain what that is. And mm-hmm. I'm like, it's nothing. It's just words. But then like I thought about it and I kind of looked at the feedback I was getting from people and, uh, articles I'd been writing even prior to that for other websites. And and I guess I put out kind of my own definition. Uh, definition is not even the right word, but my own understanding yeah. of it. Yet at the same time saying, it's just, this is my understanding. They're words. I don't care. Like I love songs where people write lyrics where they mean something to them, but they're abstract and they don't tell the listener or their fans what they mean. So they can make their own meaning of that. And And that's kind of how I view indie spiritualist you know it's like make it whatever you want it to be whatever works for you so and how many books do you have now three um yeah three published i've you know i have pieces in a whole bunch of books i've written towards for a whole bunch but um three of of my own yeah and give me so indie spiritualist was first and then came uh everything mine came out the year after that and then Two years after that, uh, my most recent book, which was last year, Dead Set on Living. Okay. Um, so it was Beyond Words and Natria for Indie Spiritualist, Sounds True for Everything Mind, okay. and then Simon and Schuster for Dead Set on Living. And uh, that's where things are at uh, right now. And I'm, I am working on new stuff, but I can't yeah. remember. Like, yeah, yeah. What are what? Tell us a little bit about how you see that. Are they like a trilogy? Are they do they follow one another? Tell me a little bit about. I've read Indie Spiritualist and not the next two. So right. So they're they're they are not. Um, Indie Spiritualist and Everything Mind kind of they were written. I actually I had like before Indie Spiritualist was even published. I had half of Everything Mind written already. Um, it was just continuing. I the way everything mind and indie spirituals are written are very similar in that like I I use my own life as kind of the thread mm-hmm. um, on my own. You know, I throw myself under the bus. I use myself as my own test subject, but it's not about me. It's like yes, parts are about me, but only in the sense of here's ways that I've fallen in life, and here are practices and means and teachings and methods that have helped me get back mm-hmm. up. And then I mm-hmm. fell again and this worked. And, mm-hmm. um, you know, they all include different, I don't just talk about the practices, I share them. And mm-hmm. so those two books in a way, um, I feel like there will be a third uh, that will mm-hmm. kind of coincide with that because like I said, Everything Mind, even though that came out in 2015, that was done being written in 2014. <clears throat> And so I haven't really written a book about like 
personally, mm-hmm. even though my third book does talk a, a bit about my own journey, the third book, Dead Set on Living, changes in the fact that each chapter is a narrative conversation mm. um, because I had suffered a relapse and one that um, literally basically killed me. Like, I'm so lucky that I lived through it. And so each chapter is a narrative conversation with people from all different backgrounds. Uh, Gabor Mate, who's mm, yeah. an addiction expert. Amazing. Ram, Ram Das, Sharon Salzberg, Damien Eccles, uh, JP Sears, like all these different people that have these different perspectives on well-being and um, and health and healing, and it's essentially exploring not just drugs and alcohol, but why do we return to the self-defeating <laughs> behaviors, whatever they yeah. are? What's going on? You know, so we're looking at it from spiritual neuroscience, all these different uh, perspectives. Because um, I felt like at that point, well, I wrote these two books, and I still fucked up, you know, and. I feel like I want to write about this, but I want to write about it with the help of other people mm-hmm. as basically it's a book about me trying to understand what was going on with me. Mm-hmm. So the, you know, the two books I'm working on now are, are unrelated mm-hmm. to that. But then I do feel like actually over the last week, less than a week, I've been feeling like there's another book that would coincide with indie spirituals and everything. Mm-hmm. And it's more about like, what's been going on on a personal level. So, mm-hmm. um, yeah, we'll see. But, you know, it's <laughs> my agents are like, Chris, we, when I get going, you know, I'm like, I'm all in. and, and well, It's a lot. Yeah. <laughs> There's a lot. What's your writing practice like? Uh, it's whenever I feel moved uh, to write. So <laughs> I remember I was, I, I spoke at my old um, high school, which I did not have a good experience at whatsoever. Mm-hmm. I graduated in 96. I was a, Oh, me too. Mm-hmm. Oh, nice. So I was like this skateboarding like i already mentioned punk rock hip-hop kid stuck out like a sore thumb it was in east haddam connecticut oh yeah, yeah so <laughs> haddam in 96 so when i said i was getting in fights you know on behalf of friends oh, yeah that that yeah. puts it in perspective yeah. very and to this day i will say that they have evolved a lot of the town but it is still a very republican trump yeah. town um but so they invited me back this is a couple of years ago to go speak and um it was very healing for me in the sense mm. that I almost didn't go because I really like I've had such a disdain for that school and the way I was treated. <clears throat> the, one of the first things that happened was the receptionist when I walked in. Um, it was the same woman who worked there when I went to school and wow. she pulled me aside and was like, you know, Chris, I want to say I'm really sorry. And I knew what she was sorry oh. for, but I kind of played along. I said, oh, what for? And she said, you and 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 your friends like, you were ahead of your time for oh. this town and we didn't understand and we didn't get like how to handle that. And I know that you uh, suffered a lot of unfair treatment. I mean, there were two occasions where teachers literally like physically manhandled me and uh, mm. you know, so it was very rough. Um, I'm sharing that though, because one that was cathartic and I did a, a whole you know, uh, talk to the whole school, which when I say whole school is like, like 300 kids or yeah. something like that. But so then I went and gave a talk to a couple of the writing classes and one of the teachers asked me, what's your writing practice? Yeah. And I said, and I'll, I'll never forget the look on her face. I said, I'll go months without writing. I, I write whenever I feel moved to. After I finished Dead yeah. Set on Living, I didn't write anything for over eight months literally and when i said that the look on her face she was mortified because you know if you're a writer you write every day right 300 yeah like fuck that no like i learned as a musician if i'm forcing myself to write a song on guitar i can't tell you how many guitars i've broken in frustration and i even broke a laptop once um in frustration while trying to force myself to write so to each their own. Like if it yeah. works for you to write every yeah. day, God bless, like write every day. But for me, if it's forced and I don't feel, you know, like I need to write, then I'm not going to write. I only write when I feel the need to. I only, I play in bands, which is like a, something I do is for fun for me, which I love. But when it comes to writing material, luckily I'm not the well, one of the bands, I write the majority of it, but the other band, we all pick, contribute so it's like yeah. luckily it doesn't all fall on me so if I'm going through a spell where I just it's not even that I'm not feeling creative I just I don't feel like that whatever it is flowing through Wait, me, yeah 
I, I'm not forced to. So, um, and that's fine. I'll just sit down and practice the songs and enjoy that or go to practice. But yeah, so for writing, it's the same thing. It's like, if I feel moved to write, I will write. And if I don't, but then the funny thing is, so I didn't write for eight months after my last book. And now all of a sudden I'm writing two books at the same time. And it's like, yeah, what happens, Chris? This Do you trust? Happens. So one of the things I've heard, there's two things. One I've heard writers say a lot. And sometimes I experience myself is that at the end of a session, I'll be like, I don't know where that came from or yeah. it just comes out or I don't remember writing it. Like I'll sure. go back and read something and say, I didn't even know. I heard Judy Bloom say once she didn't like someone had asked her in the audience, how did you come up with Deanie? And she's like, honestly, I, I will read things and not even remember. I don't even know the facts that I put in the book. Mm -hmm. I don't know where they came from. Do you have that experience ever? So with the first two books, very much so. Um, it's been tough recently because I've had uh, a bunch of health stuff going on both. Um, I won't go into too much detail, but yeah. like a big part of it is my back. And I've had like every exam, blood work, x-ray done. And I just started physical therapy last week. Yeah. I mentioned that because running is a big part of my approach to integral well-being. I love running, working out as well in weights, but I have not been able to do that due to my back in like three months and I've still been eating healthy. Um, I, you know, once I, I'll have like a treat, you've got to allow yourself, but yeah. overall I eat healthy, but I have a very slow metabolism. So it's like I've put on weight and it's like, you know, it's, it's been good in the sense it's forced me to get comfortable with being in my skin, but it's frustrating in the sense that one, that's a big part of my well-being. And two, my first two books, I would say like at least 80% of them were written while I was running. And what I mean by that is, you know, once I, I go for like anywhere from eight to 12 mile runs, once I hit about four or five miles, my mind is just blank. It's clear. Like it's a beautiful thing. And out of nowhere, it's just like a download. It's like I'm writing chapters like in my head or I'm not like they're come. It's yeah. almost like that stuff in the That's matrix true, yeah. coming down. Yeah. And I don't want to sound woo woo. It's not channeled material because it's. <laughs> no, no, no. But it's not, like, that's an extreme. We're not yes, there. No, it's just like the ideas come because yes, yes. Think it's opened. Your source think, is open or this. Yeah. Open exactly. to, your own intuition is right. open. You're not yes. congested with traffic and bills and life yeah got that's it. totally it yeah it's yep. free and yep. so i can't tell you how many times i'd get home after those two books profusely sweating over my keyboard typing yeah. away and i've had a couple of friends be like well, why don't you just like record the audio of it and i'm like it's not the same okay it's yeah. not the same um but they're right but at the same time yeah. it isn't the same like i need to write it yeah. um so anyways that's how those books worked. The second yeah. one, since they were narrative conversations, it was just sitting down, having the conversations and then, you know, transcribing them in a way that it wasn't Q&A, but like engaging a narrative. With these two books, I'm co-authoring them with writers, which is nice because I'm also at that point where I feel like on a personal level, in the first two books, I said everything I had to say, just as Chris, the author, but going back to your question about like the trilogy, like over the last week I've been toying with, yeah. I, I can feel something percolating. Some things, yeah. Yeah, but that's yeah. down the road because I've got to get these done first. So, but yeah, that's that's how I, I work. It sounds like there's a deep sense of trust though that, I mean, one of the, this was the other thing I was going to say that I hear a lot with writers is if they're not working on something, there's a fear that not, well, I'll have no ideas again ever. <laughs> I've heard lots of people say this. You well, that's trust yourself. Yes, and I think that's why I have music and writing because I need, I constantly need to be creating yes. something. Like, yeah. it, like I, I pretty much work like seven days a week. Um, not by choice. Uh, there are times my therapist, you know, will tell me like you need to take more time for you, and and she's right. Um, and I do take time for myself, but you know, even on weekends, I get emails from my agents or from events I have coming up, and um things I have to do. So I never like really get that time off. But um, yes, there are times where there's a little bit of a lull. And then there's a fear like, oh, I'm becoming obsolete, or I'm not creating or now what, you know, and um, so yeah, I certainly experienced that. And also, to be very honest, like in this line of work, I don't have a nine to five, you know, I write, I speak, I don't have sick days, I don't have paid time off. Right. I, 
my livelihood is based on this, which has been tricky for me navigating the fact that I will never sell out in the sense of like, I'm not saying, sure, I'd love to have a New York Times bestselling book, but I will never write in a way or a format where I know like this watered down material will get me to that point. Yeah. So, you know, I, yeah. I yeah. that's not me. It never will be. So, yeah. you know, fine if it happens, but if it happens, I don't know, man. <laughs> I was going to say maybe hell's frozen over, but right yeah. now we're living in even <laughs> yeah, more right. times. Stranger things have happened than me writing a best selling <laughs> book, I guess. Uh, so, yeah. Um, you said a little bit that with Dead Set on Living, it was different because of these conversations that you had with um, healers and experts and well-being folks in that field. Um, yeah. Did Do you think it accomplished or sort of like check the box or scratch the itch that you were feeling by doing it? Like, were you able to make meaning from your relapse and experience by doing that writing? Yes and no. Um, uh, more yes than no. Mm -hmm. What I think that book did for me was it actually provided me at the end with more questions than answers, which was a good thing because it, uh, through talking with some of the people in the book, along with some people I know, really inspired me to begin going to EMDR therapy, oh, which yeah. is a yeah. trauma therapy. Yeah. And that, and now I do ART, which is uh, accelerated uh, rehabilitation therapy. It was born out of EMDR. These are two trauma-based therapies. Yeah. And I've been in therapy forever. And I think any form of therapy can be beneficial. Yeah. But it wasn't until I got into the trauma-based therapy that I started to really notice significant shifts in my own real, like honest healing. And, you know, I write about going deep and I, I went as deep as I knew how to go but these other forms, you know, guided by professionals, which I am not, can take you to places like talk about connecting with what Jung called, pardon me, the shadow self and, and yeah. unconscious. Like yeah. it, this is stuff that's like really <clears throat> out. So yeah. the, the beautiful thing about Dead Set for me is that I found and still find it seemed to have helped more other people more than it did me. It definitely yeah. helped me. I want to be clear about that. Yeah, like, yeah. It opened up new questions and new pathways, but I still get so many messages and emails oh. from people that read it, like family members that like, I didn't understand what my son or daughter was going through. Thank you. It makes more sense. Aunts, uncles, people that like themselves, that didn't understand. Like I, I, someone wrote to me and, you know, not to be politically incorrect, but their wording was, I thought I was crazy and yeah. I recognize now I'm not. And I felt that same way too, before I went into my first detox. Like I thought I was literally like insane. And to an extent I am, if I, you know, continue in that behavior, it's like that definition of insanity. Um, but that's been the best, like the most rewarding part of that book for me is that it's helping others and there's uh, the youth mental health uh, and healing residential facility here in Connecticut. I go into there three times a month and oh, good. <laughs> yeah, they have all of my books and I often will teach out of them, but often won't. I'll just go in and we'll do like weird abstract things with, with the clients there that, you know, they don't usually get to do and, and try to like make it engaging and fun and, um, but I'm glad that they have my books there because I've had a lot of the, the younger, and these are 13 to 18 year olds that I mean, legit, like have deep scars from, from suicide attempts or just yeah. self-harm and eating disorders and, you know, overdosed already from drugs and alcohol. And um, But to know that like these books are even if nothing more than just planting seeds, uh, I'm super grateful for that. And Dead Set oddly enough, it seems to be one that really helps them because I think that's the one that's giving them a bit more clarity on what it is they live with versus the first to which they like because um, they're a little more raw and graphic. But that third one uh, is definitely the most mature, I would say, of the three books and the most uh, information-based. I think without having read it, and now I'm definitely going to um not that I wasn't before but now I know more about what it's <laughs> what it's had and going through the books before I knew I was going to be chatting with you one of the things that really strikes me is that I think when people find meditation especially in like quick fix culture we then assume that well I'm good now everything's going to be great 
and I'm and I'm gonna have no more issues in my addictions or my marriage or in, in any realm relationships to self or others and what it sounds like is that this shares that there was already a foundation of some practices that are helpful and we still are human and have other dimensions and one does not mean the other do you have like people put expectations on you around that or oh, all the time um yeah. and and i've tried to be clear in all of my books that it's not spirituality is not some quick fix like yeah. i've heard it referred to as mcmindfulness i've heard it referred or the articles that drive me nuts and i do see it's shifting but like five steps to heal your life or eight steps and everything was no bullshit like it doesn't work that way a perfect example i'll read this to you because i get this a lot and i won't name any names but on my social media account this person's commented recently on a lot of posts i've made and i i don't bother commenting back because i don't have a lot of time for social media i i post i don't really scroll i just post and if someone comments i'll try to respond if i have time um but this particular person commented on something that are you familiar with Jeff Brown? He's yes, a, yes, soul. So, yes, yeah, I love yeah. Jeff. Good yeah. dear friend of mine, and um, we've been on each other's shows. And so, anyways, I just I usually have his poem book right here because I read from it a lot. But it's not yeah. right now. <laughs> yeah, yeah, love Jeff. I'm always quoting him, and yeah. we just we yeah. check in on each other. We're yeah, great Aww. dude. We're very much in like we're we're so I simpatico. That. that makes so, sense. <laughs> oh yeah, he, he was kind. I uh, I wrote an endorsement for one of his last books, yeah. and he was going to write an endorsement for one of my, or actually two of his books. I wrote endorsements for, um, and then the other one he didn't have time. But I, I don't know. Anyways, um, so anyways, I post this thing completely like just out of fun. There's this um thing called fuckology, and they always post these silly little sayings, and sometimes I steal them, and and you know I leave the fuckology part, so I give him credit, but. Simply stated, every day, this is what they're, they're posted. Every day I understand the phrase, quote, I'm getting too old for this shit on an even deeper level. You know, so it's silly. <laughs> yeah. laugh. And I, I wrote, I'll forever be an, an 11-teen-year-old at heart, but this is some real shit right here. You know, just playful, whatever. Um, and, oh, I wonder if they delete, Do they delete it. <laughs> or because or, I post on my personal, uh, I have a personal page oh. and a, <laughs> a writer page. But I, do, I did want to read the response just because yeah. I think this is part of the problem. Um, and I'll read my response because I do get this a lot. And mm -hmm. uh, oh, they did delete it. And I responded, oh. I, I never, even if I don't agree, I always respond in a very, um, you know, very polite. Like I, yeah. I never like, I don't want to argue with anyone. Yeah, I yeah. speak my mind and I'm just, the last thing I'm making sure is it wasn't on my Instagram account because it was really such a perfect, perfect way. Damn. Uh, well, it's not here. Sorry. Well, long story short, essentially they had said something to the effect of, you know, like, uh, don't get trapped in the, the mind, body, ego thing, whatever. Like it's, uh, you know, it's, it's not your true self or something like that. Mm. Fair enough. But I, I, I hear that a lot and I, and I understand like that there's, there's, I get where that's coming from, but I think the non-duality community, some of them, um, have taken this to such an extreme. That's why I mentioned Jeff. I love that he talks about uh, one of my favorite quotes is something to the effect of, yes, it's true we're spiritual beings having a human experience, mm -hmm. but it's also true that we are human beings having yes. a human experience. Yes. So you have these people that spirituality can be just as much of an addiction or a means of yes. version yes. as drugs, food, sex, shopping. And so, you know, I use that as a, an example, or there's also this Buddhist philosopher, Nagarjuna, um, back from, I don't know, way, way before our time, but he wrote about what's called the two truths. And you'll also find this in Hinduism and probably every other mystic form of the great wisdom traditions. But what he's saying is the two truths. One truth is that of the ultimate, 
which is, you know, that which never dies. It's just, it's always there. It's the unmanifest. And that of the relative, which is born out of the, the unmanifest and takes form, which literally everything, you know, from me to the computer to the mic, I mean, anything that has form comes out of this manif- unmanifest into manifest. So you have the absolute and the relative. But the point is, he doesn't say one is truer than the other. He makes yeah. it a point to say there's two truths and to negate the human experience, which yes. so many people do on the path. And hence, you know, yeah. the very popular term, spiritual bypassing. Yes. And Chogim yes. Trungpa, yeah. which it's different, but spiritual materialism. Yes. Same boat, two different things. Um, it's so important for people to recognize that that's essentially what's happening. And I'm not saying I didn't do that because I did. I totally I had my materialism phase. I had my yep. bypassing phase. Yep. And then it's like, what are you doing? You're just spiritualizing your ego and dressing it up rather than peeling away those layers and like getting down to the core of what's honoring Chris. But what else is, you know, what is giving the energy to Chris? I think about this all the time because of probably 15, 10-ish years, 10 to 15 years spent on a yoga mat, doing the physical practice of the the congestion of emotion and trauma and pain and suffering that was sitting here um, was a very, after 20 years of therapy, then moving to the yoga mat, it really helped the embodiment piece. Like the therapy part, I was good with the mind stuff and I could understand. And I was always missing the physical piece. I didn't know that until I started yoga and started crying in yoga and feeling things I had never felt in my body in yoga and not in headstands, but just laying on the mat quietly, like very simple shapes and allowing myself time to not strive and do and produce and giving myself permission to lay there and just be in my body with the breath. These things were happening I didn't understand, and I just wanted more, and that became very delicious. And Mm -hmm. one of the things that happened was also just the dialogue in the yoga room, um, and a lot of sort of yoga culture speak um, got me to a place where then I was feeling integrated and healthy enough to start to actually look for more of the root. And I think... I'm just think I'm just like kind of putting this together while talking to you. Yeah. I think part of it is the neuro is the neuroscience. I think part of it is the work in trauma. So I work with an organization called Mind Body Medicine, and we do a lot of trauma based healing practices. But for oh. all humans, we don't. I mean, sometimes there's it's specific groups, but also there's sort of this low level trauma in lots of our bodies that we haven't processed. So we get groups together and do this work in all different in schools and senior centers and with all humans, right? Yeah, and. I'm like, oh, now that I, I have more access to some of the science, I can, phys- I can understand it mentally. I can feel things physically and right. embody. And the integration part is continuing to study, like continuing to know and educate myself right. so that that deeper work and, and the, that inner work, the, the piece that we keep going into, um, it's like it has a little bit more... I want to say substance from which to then live so that when my 11 year old comes in and I feel very activated by one of her behaviors, I'm not like hiding in a corner and meditating, but I'm able to wiggle my toes, look at her in the eyes, go and hold her hand. And suddenly I have access to love. I love that. Yeah. And so for me, it was kind of that three step, like I've never, like I said, it. I'm literally just putting this together now. That's sort of therapy, then yoga. But I've noticed in the past year, I've been reading a lot of. I was looking up his name. I hope I don't. I would probably mess it up because I'm terrible at names. But <laughs> Johan Hari, Hari. Oh yeah, connection. did he do uh, the something scream or facing uh, the scream and lost yeah. connection? Yes, yes. And write so much about addiction right. and recovery and and how we're looking at it all wrong because. Right. It's connection. Right. And so I'm obsessed with that. And Gabor, all of the mind body medicine practitioners who are talking about trauma nurse. I love it all. Like I can't get enough of it. Have you read not to KF Bessel no, no. Vanderkolk? Yes. Body yes. Keeps the body okay. keeps score. Oh yes. Yeah. Okay. Oh yeah. That's my jam. <laughs> Even Levine too. Uh, or- oh, yeah. The tr- 
the tiger trauma. Trauma. Exactly. Waking the tiger. Yes. So yes. we're on the same page. Yes. Okay. Yeah. So that next layer, I have noticed a little bit of sadness about all of those years of bypass. Yeah. And I'm like, I cannot believe I spent so much time, but you know, I'm working with it. Yeah. Better late than never. And I'm in Ayurveda school, uh, and in our, my Ayurveda teacher is a feminine form Ayurveda teacher, but we read Waking the Tiger in Ayurveda school. I mean, it's just full circle. Like and that the was Ayurveda, Peter Levine, not Stephen Levine. Peter. I should apologize. Stephen's um, another great author, but passed away. Um, but for me, the Ayurveda, having an Ayurveda teacher have um, this, the, this type of nervous system connection and introducing us to um some of these classic texts it just feels full circle like it feels like we're the yeah. even even our world is coming to this place where we've noticed how much the love and light is not necessarily gonna <laughs> heal all the pieces no it's not but like and that's not to throw the baby out with the bathwater. you know yeah, it's like right. i still meditate pretty much every day just because i know aside from you know the mental clarity it brings it's good on so many physical levels, blood yeah. pressure, stress, like that's still important to me. Um, yeah. So, you know, it's not like I'm, when I'm speaking about spirituality, it's like, don't use malas for mantras or this or that. Like, okay. I don't really, I don't wear malas anymore just because like when I do mantras, I'm at the point where I just do them, you know, and, yeah. and I, I, they've, they helped very much. They were yeah. wonderful training wheels and, yes. um, Yes, now, wheels. Yeah, I, I found now yeah. though, and there's, again, nothing wrong with them at all. For me, when I wear them, there's twofold. Either one, I caught myself as wearing them just because like I wanted to wear them because they're malas. The only time I wear <laughs> malas now are I have a set of skull malas and a lot of my tattoos are skulls and people think it's because it's like, you know, skulls are tough or whatever. And of course they are, they're rad, but I have <laughs> so much skull iconography like, around my apartment on my body. <laughs> yeah. You can Just, see a little behind you. Actually, yeah. It's, it's mm -hmm. a reminder to me though of the impermanence of this gift of life. And yeah. even though it doesn't feel like a gift a lot of the time, um, this too will end. And I don't know what happens after this body. I, I'm not even going to conjecture yeah, yeah. incarnation, heaven, hell, whatever. I don't know. Um, but what I know is I'm alive today and things like skulls that seemingly, you know, to, to other people might be like, oh, you know, it's just evil. No, they're yeah. the polar opposite. They yeah. really are reminders of like gratitude and, and living in the moment. And today I'm alive. Today I'm not, you know, just rotting flesh right. whether right. you know I'm six feet deep or incinerated or planted and become a tree or whatever happens to me so um, and what about so i read in the book also that you sing kirtan not so, sing i play drums you um, play drums okay got it so haven't done that in a while but um I, it's with my friend Alana Kaivala. Alana, I love Alana. She's the best. the best. Yes. I was just thinking this morning, I haven't talked to her. We go through phases because we're both yeah. so busy. Yeah. We won't talk for months and then we'll talk. And it's like, you know, she's one of those friends. I feel like I talked to her yesterday. Yeah. And so we did this thing for a while and we haven't done it in years. Uh, but we played at Kripalu a few times, played at Yoga Journal Conference. And we did mashups of like... Um, contemporary songs and you know ancient chants and i would play an actual just a, a smaller scale version of my drum set instead of tablas mm -hmm. and she'd play her harmonium and we just took a different approach and people really enjoyed it and we recorded a uh an ep but it was there i wasn't overall happy with it um so i mean it's out there somewhere but um <laughs> we'll I, find it yeah. yeah it's it's there i i mean i know i have a copy of it i think it's it is online somewhere i just don't know where uh but i love alana um she's another one we connected just because like we we were you know both coming from that same space of like she was fed up with the yoga community no yeah. i don't want to make a blanket statement or speak on her behalf yeah yeah she was frustrated with the yep. direction it's going. And she's been very outspoken about it. Yeah, I remember that phase and sort of being like, yes. Yeah. You know, and you have a big audience, so it feels great for you to say that. Um, yeah. Like a yeah. Sean Korn says, like the depth of what Sean Korn says and has been saying for a long time, um, sort of cheering from the sidelines. I feel like Alana is one of those people also. So yeah. 
people should definitely, I'll link to her also so that they can see what she's doing. Yeah, please um, do. Because she's always got great really content. Yeah. And she loved it. She used to come to DC a lot because there was a lot of Jiva people here before. Oh, cool. Yeah. Before I think a lot of people stopped. <laughs> the- anyway, that's, uh, that's again, a whole nother story. Okay. So what I, um, is there, an, oh, this is what I want to do before I have you read. Uh-huh. I'm going to pull a fast one on you. On page 206, you have all the questions that you like to ask people. So I was going to ask okay. you, what well, is one of the most beautiful experiences you've ever had? Oh, wow. I asked that, huh? That's a pretty good one. <laughs> um, mm. I think it is... Um, I think I wrote about it in Everything Mind. Like something I haven't talked about for you. Um, And I'm sure there have been many. Um, Maybe, all right, so maybe it's not one. It's up there. Um, I had just recently lost one of my uh, dearest friends. It was earlier this year. And, uh, and that was on the heels of losing another friend just a few weeks before that. And then almost, you know, it was right around the same time of the anniversary of uh, another dear friend of mine. Um, you may know uh, Kate Bartolotta, a lot of people. Uh, she was friends with Alana. She was a, an incredible writer from here in Connecticut and yeah. wrote for Elephant Journal and Huffington Post and was just one of the most beautiful people I know um, or knew. I still know. She's still with me. But it's all culminated and my fiance uh surprised me with taking me to goat therapy i had no idea this is even a thing she didn't tell me where we were going what we were doing and we get to this place i'm like oh it smells like shit out here you know in farmland (laughs) and uh we get to this place and i'm like what is going on and um and she's like we're gonna do some goat therapy and it was just she wanted to like cheer me up and we got to first of all go in and hang out with the goats which was awesome and then you go into a barn and you just sit and like you get to hold the goats and uh you know cuddle with them and it was especially at that time you know such a beautiful experience so um now a flood of things are coming like just yesterday (laughs) two days ago we were visiting my friends rehabbing a possum and just being there with that possum, they, they involve animals usually because I yeah. love animals, but yeah. So I'll go with that one. Um, of course I'll think of more. Of course. After, and then you'd be but, like, why didn't I say that yeah. one? That's a- <laughs> but that was special and meaningful and yeah, that's a great one. What's really interesting to me is that you started with some of the painful memories and, um, and just remembering people in your life who were passing and sort of what that means. Even if we are, comfortable as much as humans can be comfortable with death in terms of reading about it and practicing a lot of Buddhist meditation is around, right? Like oh, of course. death. And so this is a practice that is, I'm sure a part of your life. It's part of my life. And yeah. like period, when people die, I still feel sad. Of course. So, like again, two sides, but this is really interesting as you started with that and then went into the beauty. And yesterday I was with a group of college uh, seniors and we started our chat with roses and thorns and pretty much every single kid in the room, the rose and the thorn are two or were like two sides of the same coin. Right. That's right. And we talked about that at the end, how powerful, like being able to hold both, um, how powerful that really is in our life. Because when we get to the essence of those beautiful moments or the hard moments, um, there it's, there's like sort of that expansion around it, which includes, the yeah. whole the full spectrum right? i have to say the grace grace and grit are two yeah. sides of the same coin you know yeah. so i love that yes the rose and the thorn same thing exactly um okay one more question sure what do you think is your greatest contribution to humanity one more easy like <laughs> <laughs> this is how self-deprecating <laughs> I think of it's like the minute I die and like leave everyone without my mischief. Uh, that's literally the first thing that came to mind. So that's where I love I'm it. At. There you go. Yeah. Um, I, but I mean, no, I hope, I hope <coughs> that um, 
I like to know the fact that if we do not blow ourselves up um, with with whomever you know is mm. in charge of the country and this terrifying issue that is happening with global warming that you know I know some people say we're beyond turning back and some people say we can make it what I like to think is that even after I'm long gone hopefully some of these books or some things I've written will still be around and find their way into hands of people that they can help um you know they might be a little dated but maybe the information I try to wait right in a way that the main point I'm getting across is the raw vulnerable authenticity of the experience. And, um, and I read writers from, you know, the sixties, fifties, forties, and that I love that because that's what comes through to me. So I think, I guess, you know, it's a cliche answer, but, but truly I, I, I think, or I hope that even if that's not my greatest contribution in this moment, that as Oh, for lack of a better word, legacy, whatever. Mm-hmm. I don't give a fuck. Take my name off the books and just leave like the books right. out there. I don't, it's not about me. It's about, I hope that something that I've created in this world, yes. what leave a lasting impression that can continue yeah. to help others, regardless of whether I die today or in, in 40 years. I have no idea. Yeah. So. Well, I love the idea of your music being that also the people who come to your shows or listen and. Yeah. I mean, you know, they're, uh, I was going to say that, but, and, and to be honest, music has saved my life on many times yeah. and not the typical music you think. And yeah. I've had people who've really appreciated the music I've written. Uh, it's never reached anywhere near the recognition the books I've written yeah. have, but yeah, that too. I mean, you never know. The two bands yeah. I'm doing right now both have a lot of great members. We know tons of people. So who knows like how, how widespread that stuff will get going mm. when we record it. Um, so yeah, that would be nice too, because music is, of course, just as important as literature, just as important as art and film. You know, it's all like inspiring and healing and, well, not all, you know, some of it's complete garbage, <laughs> um, but it's all subjective. So I own that that's my judgmental prickness. Uh, but no, really, like it, it's, it all affects people in different yeah. ways and can literally like have the ability to save lives and or change lives, inspire lives. And that's, mm-hmm. that's the most beautiful thing to me is when something mm-hmm. inspires someone to be creative in their own life or to change something in their own life. Like it doesn't matter the means, but whatever it is, like that's just so cool to me. Do you think that you have to go through um, really sort of dark nights of the soul type struggles um, to be a good teacher? No, I think it. So what, what I know let's speaking addiction and recovery wise uh, specifically, one thing I love is like people use the word rock bottoms. You need to hit a rock bottom to change. Mm. When people think of rock bottom, like for me, rock bottom, like I've hit rock bottoms and then the bottom gave out and I just went down and down and to the point where, like I said, that last relapse, like, I was intubated because I couldn't breathe anymore. I had tubes breathing for me. And mm-hmm. even if I came out of it, the doctors didn't know how much, uh, if any, of my brain capacity would still be there. But rock bottoms don't have to be that. They can be like something seemingly to someone like me who's mm-hmm. gone that low, some life thing that took them, like say I'm down here, theirs can be like right here and that can be mm-hmm. enough. Now, I think we... <laughs> all have you know to be human we all have our pain we all have our struggles and i do think that not just getting through them but learning from them healing from them owning and reintegrating them so that they're not lingering in the unconscious yeah i think if you're doing that work and coming out of the other side i think that's what makes a great teacher um because yes uh man pain and suffering like ram das says one of my favorite quotes from him is suffering is the sandpaper of our incarnation it does its job of shaping us mm. boy oh boy is that you know some mm. true shit right there um so mm. no it, it's just like do you think someone needs to be in recovery to be um you know a, a recovery therapist or yeah. recovery counselor? Yeah. no but i understand why people yeah. are hesitant to talk to them more than those who've gone through it because that is a kind of pain that unless you have experienced it, you'll never understand. 
And that's why, you know, people that still don't understand addiction and talk shit and it, like it's a moral deficiency and this and that, I can't entirely blame them. Yes, it's ignorant, but at the same time, I get it because like you haven't been there, but I guarantee you, if you experience like a tenth of what I've experienced in my life, the pain, the literal hell, like I have gone through because of it, you would never, ever say that again. Um, so, but to come back around, that yeah. doesn't mean like say someone's a therapist who hasn't experienced it. I know therapists that were inspired because a family member. Yeah, right. And even right. if they lived or died, like they lived because it's a family illness. Yeah. So, yeah, you no, know, like, um, so yeah, uh, no, I don't think that you have to have like the darkest of dark nights of the soul, but I think we all have them to a certain extent. Yeah. But my main point is what do you do with that? And that's yeah. what creates a good teacher. And one of the questions I have about it often when I started digging in a little bit to people's backgrounds and reading books and listening to them and their stories was, oh, this teacher that I <clears throat> respect or listen to or love, like they've talked about this thing or they've talked about this thing. And so I was, I think, probably attracted to that honesty and authenticity about it, yeah. um, but not necessarily where does everybody need to share everything in that sort of public Right, like vomit way that's uncomfortable. So it's just a question I always like to think about with is where people come out with that because so many great teachers um, write and talk and share so much about the inner life of what it means to be human. And a lot of time there's threads on whether it's abuse or addiction or mental illness or mental wellness, you know, all the different versions. Right. And um, I agree. Some people yeah. are drawn to that. Some yeah, people right. are like, okay, enough's enough. But yeah, that's yeah. why it's like, I don't really like the watered down spirituality stuff. I've never like yeah. watered down anything, yeah. but right. Right. it can help people. Um, right. Jeff Brown has also made the case so that he had a friend who went to, you know, got involved in that very, you know, white, like this is going to five quick step stuff and ended up laying aside Western medicine and psychotherapy and really believed and bought into the hype and ended up committing suicide um, yeah. because it didn't fix our lives. And yeah. now that's an extreme case, but right. Right. You know, so again, it's all subjective and questions, 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 yeah. discernment. Oh. Yes. Yes. <laughs> okay. Any final things that you'd like to say, you know, most of our audience are um, very hardworking, very loving DC uh, women <laughs> uh, awesome. who are trying to learn and do well for themselves and their families and manage their stress? Well, first of all, completely unrelated, as I told you earlier, I think before we recorded, I want to thank DC period for the music scene because it's been so heavily <laughs> influential in my writing one of my bands right now like we when people ask what does it sound like it's like it's kind of dc meets you know like quicksand like anyway so thank you dc for that uh i have to get that out there respect words too not being a female um it, it it's tough i mean i Fifty percent of the people I love are, are female. You know, my mother, my 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 nieces, my fiance. I mean, my cousins, my aunts. Um, so it, it's you know, first of all, I guess if if you are there and you're working on yourself in such a climate as DC, which you mentioned, is mm -hmm. it's different there, uh, and understandably so. I have nothing but respect for you and I and I thank you for taking the time out of your life to work on yourself because we always need that but I feel like and not to be cliche but really now more than ever we need this you know and the outer stuff is so important but it really begins on the inside I do believe that and that's not to say that we can't make significant change on the outside while working on the inside, like we'll never be fully healed individuals. It's just yeah. not possible. We're human. We'll heal one thing and then another tragedy will come up and we'll have to work through that. <laughs> but, you know, taking the time, whether it's yoga, whether it's meditation, whether it's a combination of those things, therapy, whatever, taking the time to go in and reown and reintegrate and heal through that while doing whatever it is you feel moved to do. And when I say you're not used to yeah, yeah. listeners yeah. to uh, be a, make effective change in the world, um, 
my my not that I'm, I often wear a hat. My hat is off to you. I, I thank you for that. Uh, that goes for males as well. Um, but you know, I appreciate that our audience is um, mm-hmm. predominantly female, as you mentioned. So um, I apologize. I'm stumbling over my words because I've never, and I can recall, <laughs> been asked to address like specifically to women. Um, but all I can say is a lot of love because. Um, you know, with everything that's going on from the Me Too movement to just just being a woman in general and the hardships that women continue to face, the inequality that females continue to face, you know, the thing that came up with the U.S. Uh, women's soccer team not that long ago, just one of many examples of pay. And it, it breaks my heart because so we have different genders, but that makes one less, you know, valuable. And the same could be said for other races and things I mentioned earlier. Like it all breaks my heart and not in a Pollyannish way, but I do believe chaos can precipitate great change. So while right now things are triumphantly fucking weird and bizarro like world, I think that if we continue unifying and coming together, like we can actually see that effective change where women's rights continue to grow and and the pay gap there is no more pay gap and and again not just for for females but for people of all sexual orientations yeah. and religions and so anyways i'm giving a very long-winded answer here because i i want to make sure i'm i'm being clear but yeah. um all that to say thank you for taking the time to to, to be yourself, to work on yourself. And if you've made it this far in our conversation, yeah. <laughs> God bless your heart. I, I would have turned this shit up. No, I'm just <laughs> Not because of you, because of me. But, um. Um, okay, so to close, I like people to read um, some of their words. So oh, I thought you were going to forget. 149. Page 149. Yeah, right. it's the first page of chapter 39, Ignition. 149 ignition oh yes the neil gaiman quote i love mm-hmm. neil gaiman mm-hmm. so what what would you like me to read here will you the, just read this page it's not just, too much yeah no 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 it's absolutely yeah. fine so ignition yeah. um which is the name of a song from a band called threadbare so again that's one thing about indie spirituals the chapter names are uh obs- not all obscure but song titles from bands that i like growing up so another little not a lot of people know that So epigraph, say nevermore, said Shadow. Fuck you, said the Raven. And that's from Neil Gaiman, American Gods. A sadness wells up inside of me, no rhyme or reason. I sit down, cross my legs, place my hands in my lap, and close my eyes. I sit with this sadness, both personal and impersonal, and hold the pain in my heart. I sit with this sadness as an offering to anyone who is struggling. I know what it means to struggle, to experience pain and sadness. I know it intimately. I sit with the sadness, and as I do, it acknowledges my presence. It knows I'm neither judging nor asking it to leave. Rather, I just simply want to be with it in the moment. The sadness becomes awareness, and a sense of compassion begins to arise. It sees that I need it. So the sadness slowly begins to fill my heart with warmth. The cells in my hands ignite with a tingling sensation that slowly moves simultaneously up my arms, into my chest, throat, and head, as well as down into my stomach, legs, and feet. The sadness is still there, but it's much quieter now. It knows that I'm there with it, my arms and heart completely open to it. That was a piece as I'm reading it, I realize is deeply inspired by Charles Bukowski, the style of it. Um, I wanted to keep going. I want you to read to me. No, I mean, no, not really. Like, you're good, but I'm like, I want you, I want to keep listening. (laughs) I want you to, you have a beautiful reading voice and and I just want to keep hearing that. Oh, well, I'm glad to hear that because like (laughs) I said, I don't know if we talked about in the interview, but I... Did get the audio right, so I'm doing the audio book for these, and uh, so you will right. be able to hear more of that. Yeah. And uh, yeah, anyways, I oddly they passed up having me read Dead Set on Living. They had some professional come in who did a fine job. He 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 also did Mark Manson's um, super popular, like something uh, has the word fuck in fuck it. Fuck in it, the, yeah. yeah. Don't yeah. give a fuck or don't give a fuck, yeah. whatever. Yeah, yeah. 
But I'm like, all right, well, if he did that book, he can do mine, I guess. But yeah, I was like, I can't read my own. I'm so annoying about auto audiobooks. If it's not read by the author, I won't listen to it. Yeah, same here. Like I want to, <laughs> I, I don't do a lot of audiobooks because I prefer yeah. to read, yeah, but same. I travel and when I travel, it's audiobooks and yeah. I want to hear, except for Always. Eckhart Tolle. Love Tolle. <laughs> but that like thing he does, it's like, uh, but anyway. Well, you get to hear like intimately. But you're right. Yeah. Real, what you get to know them in a way that you don't with all those little things that come I, agree. I look for them because I'm like, oh, there's the human. Yes. You know? <laughs> Very well said. Very well said. Um, Chris, thank you. You're thank the bestest. You. I hope to give you a hug in real life. If yes. Like it, or come to DC. <laughs> yeah, one or the other. I'm sure my band will be playing out there at some point. But next yeah. time you're going to be in the area with sometime part of me, please let me know ahead of time and we'll get to you. We'll meet up. It'll be wonderful. We can talk shit all day long and, uh, I don't mean that in a negative way. We'll, we'll, yeah. <laughs> in a positive way. Yes. Where does um where can everybody find you? I want to make sure we say your website so they know. Uh yeah, indiespiritualist.com and all the bullshit is connected to there. And oh, I was gonna say when you were talking about buying dead set on living, buy it off eBay. Buy used, man. Like I Got tell it. people, fuck it, steal it. If you can find it and download it, go for it. But eBay, you can find these shits for like four or five dollars shipped. I mean, like, and, and I'll be honest, if I, if it's a dear friend of mine's book that's coming out, I will buy it on Amazon when it comes out because I yeah. know it's important to support. Yeah, the pre-order, yeah. All these books have been out for a while. You can find all of them on eBay. And I mean, literally shipped for under five bucks, like $3.50, $4. Um, and that's where I buy most of my books is off of Amazon because, yeah. like, you can find them in good condition, Yeah, you know, just repurposing the book instead Though I will say, Dead Set on Living, I um, I had to find a quote uh, or a blurb from it this morning. It's only $6.73 on Amazon right oh, now, brand yeah. new. Yeah. And if you have prime shipping, it's free in two days. Yeah. Otherwise, um, yeah, if, if you're interested or your listeners are, eBay, yeah. highly recommend. Save yourself the money. Thank you, Chris. You're Thank you. I appreciate it. We will give hugs in yes, person. Yes, I know. I'm like, ah. Okay. Yeah, I can't wait. Thanks, bud. Yep. Good luck with everything. Thank you very much. Take care. Take care. Have a great rest of your day. You too. Bye.